Welcome into Other People's Shoes, the podcast where listeners get to step into the lives of others and see the world through their shoes. Your host, Neil Matthews, is a seasoned interviewer who has a natural talent for empathizing with his guests and drawing out their unique perspectives. Through a combination of storytelling and insightful questioning, Other People's Shoes explores the lives of a diverse range of guests, from everyday people to celebrities and thought leaders. With a warm and welcoming style, Neil creates a safe and supportive space for his guests to share their stories while also challenging listeners to broaden their perspective and think more deeply about the world around them. So tune in to Other People's Shoes with Neil Matthews and get ready to step into other people's shoes. Welcome in to Other People's Shoes. As you know, I am your host, Neil Matthews. Thank you so much for hitting play today. We're going to have some fun. We're going to maybe even play a little bit today. So join me if you will. We got up early to make our flight. We did have a couple of layovers in Colorado. We had a couple of layovers in Missouri. I know it's not that far over, but it seemed like it took us forever to get here. Now, you might be thinking, where are we today, Neil? We're in the world. We're not looking for Carmen Sandiego, we should maybe be because we're still not sure where she is in the world. For those Rockapella fans out there, they're still rocking it. They're still doing it. Today, we find ourselves in a new state, and I'm so excited because at this exact moment, we are four states away from completing our mission, Ops Mission. That mission, of course, to be in all 50 states. Well, we are four away as of this moment, and I never thought we'd get here. I mean, I thought we'd get close. We've been close. We've been in Vermont. We've been in Maine. We've we've been in Rhode Island. We've been in Massachusetts. We've not been in New Hampshire. I think that's how you say it out there. Of course, she will help us as we fly away to maybe Neverland. For those that are Peter Pan fans, help me welcome in my new friend, Wendy. How are you, Wendy? I am great, Neil. Thank you so much for inviting me here. Yeah, New Hampshire, but I'm a Midwesterner. <laughs> So I don't quite fit in. I do when I want to. Does anyone fit in anywhere, though? That's the question <laughs> I always ask myself. Is I find myself struggling being out in Oregon or Oregon, as some would say. Everything in my life is North Carolina. Everything. The University of North Carolina. And I get teased on the regular basis. <laughs> Why don't you just go move out there, Neil? Last night at Home Group, one of our questions was, what's something that nobody in the room probably knows about you outside of your spouse? And so I thought for a second and I thought, well, I'm pretty vocal. Most people probably know me pretty well or at least know things about me. And I said, I was actually born in North Carolina. And the room's like stunned silent. And one of the guys goes, no way. Really? <laughs> like that's where it comes from? I'm like, yeah. Actually, that's part of the story of why I like North Carolina. And he goes, I don't believe you. And I said, okay, well, that's the point of this. I say all that to say, I'm excited that you're here. I'm excited that our friend Sarah connected us. She's a fantastic lady. We had her on a while back. Folks can go find her episode. They need to go check out what she's doing because she's writing some amazing books. We want to say thank oh, you, you to bet. Sarah yeah. in this moment. On to you, Wendy. Now, I've heard this about the name Wendy, truly. So you can dispel this for me if you want. 
want. I would love that. But the name Wendy never came along until the movie Peter Pan. Have you heard that? Truly. Like, I'm not making it up. I have not heard that. I hated this song. <laughs> Who's looking down the streets of the city? Everyone knows it's Wendy when I was a kid. And I probably still do. Oh, hate that song. I don't know why. <laughs> Well, so my daughter's name is Adia, and there's a Sarah McLaughlin song from, I think, 98, 99, somewhere in that time frame, the, the late 90s, we'll say, just to be just to be close. And the song is named Adia. Every now and then, I'll listen to XM Radio, 90s on 9. I'm a 90s kid. Okay, I'll admit it. And that song will come on. And so the other day, it came on, and I was at a red light, and I snapped a picture, and I sent it to her, and she just wrote back, ugh, throw a face. <laughs> She's maybe heard it a few times in her life. And no, that's not where we got her name. I know, right? That's I thought that's what the whole joy of being a parent was, was being able to do that. Getting them ready for counseling. That's what I always say. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Well, so Wendy, help us with this. I love to lead off every show with this question. So help me with this. Is there a style of shoe that Wendy likes to wear? Ah, Actually, there is because I have no feet. When you wear prosthetics, sometimes you can manipulate your feet so that you can wear different heel heights and other times you can't. My current feet which I don't even know what they're called. Elon, Elon. They don't let me manipulate the heel height. So I'm pretty much stuck in tennis shoes. I don't like them because they make me feel uncomfortable in dresses. They're comfortable. I used to wear flats in my old likes. I love those because then I could get all stylish and cutesy. Now I feel frumpy and old in my tennis runners. I like the tennis runner comment. That's that's a first for me. Really? Yeah. And so I do think, I don't know how to say this politely, so I'm just going to kind of put it out there. Yeah. I, I do think you're the first one that has openly admitted, hey, listen, I, I don't I don't have feet. I think that's a first for us also. And so some might yeah. find that as an inappropriate question. What would your nah. response be to that? No, I openly promote myself as the happiest, most positive quad amputee you'll ever meet. And I run into people with questions all the time and I never mind answering them. You're in the grocery store and the kids will stare and the parents will drag their children by the arm and say, don't look, don't stare. And I'm like, look, ask your questions. Don't freak the kid out. Ask. For the most part, if I have pants on, you can't even tell that I have fake feet. Although I do like to sport around in some shorts because I have some really snazzy butterflies all over my prosthetics. That's what's great about you. I can already feel it is this idea that this is the way I am and mm-hmm. and let's move forward. Let's let's figure out how we can find commonality. I think maybe that might be your heart too. And really, it's not getting stuck in the struggle. It's just don't get stuck there. Don't get stuck in your pity party. Because when we do that, ugh, it's no fun there. That's not the kind of party we want to be at. We want to be at the overcoming with joy party. I'm imagining for a moment, at least, you've maybe been around the Bible, been around people of faith. Maybe a few a times. All right. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. So there is this amazing battle that takes place between we we know it, even if we grew up in the Sunday school felt board era or if we're an Awana kid or if we're in the new era of maybe watching videos on church life. We all know this story. Again, I think even out of the church, the, the famous story of David and Goliath and David goes out to fight Goliath and we all know it. He slings Goliath, the rock to the forehead. He dies. Prior to that is the part that I want to focus on. 
And that's this line that I missed somehow in all the fell boards and all the Iwanas and all the readings. I was at a men's advance camp or men's retreat as some may know it as, but our men don't mm-hmm. retreat. In this camp moment, I'm in this area, like log cabin type area. And the speaker's up there kind of yammering away, kind of like I am right now. And his name's Evan. And Evan shares, you know, David had this moment where King Saul says to him, you're only a boy. You can't go fight Goliath. And I was like... Wait a minute. <laughs> Hold on. It was like almost like real life. Like, can I get a TiVo on that? Can I can I rewind? What did you say? And he said it again, because for my benefit, maybe, I don't know. He said it again. Not like I stood up and said, Hold on, wait, re- restate what you said. He says King Saul, and it clearly says in first Samuel 17, 131, 32, somewhere in there, he says, David, you're only. And it got me thinking, wait a second, how many people have really felt like you're only or make it a first person, I'm only ever gonna be. And it really started seriously messing with my head to the point where I wrote it down. And I don't normally write things down, but I wrote it down and I really started praying and I went to God and I said, God, help me with this. I don't want to be an only. I don't want to, I don't want to be so limited in my belief. And and people have asked, so is this a limited belief thing? It could be. It could be you've thought you're only this and ever going to be that. Wendy, I posed the question to you. When you heard that phrasing, you're only, what came to mind for you? What did that invoke? I think initially it's, I'm only a mom, a wife, child of God. How can you say only and child of God in the same sentence? I'm only an amputee. Only, you're only what you make of it. And I believe it's a limiting belief. If I'm going to be only a mom, then by golly, I'm going to be the best mom I can be. Yeah, I can't say only to a child of God. Amputee thing. Let's talk about that for a second. I can be back in those early days for the audience. I experienced flesh-eating bacteria 12 years ago, which resulted in just a coma for three weeks, the hospital stay, multiple surgeries. And then when I came home 12 years ago, I was missing my hands and feet and I was in a wheelchair and I was like, this is not the end. This is not where I choose to stay. Even before I left the hospital, I was making plans for prosthetics to get up and get back to life and pick up where I left off. And I felt life would continue the way that I knew it, but I learned that life can continue, but not always the way it was before, but it can be new and different and better in some ways. I think it's what you put in your head is what you're going to live out. I don't go by the only. I like that. What you put in your head is what you're going to live out. That's powerful. Truly. Yeah. Like that's, that's really powerful. My granny, grandmother, for those that may not know that phrasing, she would say garbage in, garbage out. I say that all the time. (laughs) So you know that phrasing. Absolutely. I mean, think about it. If you feed the word of God into your head, you are going to understand his character, understand his promises, trust him. If you feed Stephen King into your head, you're going to be a whole different person. I always say what you focus on is what you become. You're driving down the road and you're looking over there. Oh, look, there's cows in the field and you just staring at the cows. That's where you're headed. And the same thing with life. If you focus on I can only do this with my life, then that's all you can do. Walk me back through that flesh eating bacteria. 
How mm-hmm. the heck does someone contract that? How does someone come across that? I mean, that that's invoking some stuff in me right now, especially yeah. in New Hampshire. It makes me not want to come back to New Hampshire. Okay, maybe it didn't happen here. I don't know. No, you know, it's one of those freak bacterias that I am told, and I don't want to freak anybody out. I'm told it lives in our bodies and sometimes it comes out and sometimes it doesn't. And for me, it appeared in an ingrown hair. When you buy a new car and it's this brand new color you've never seen before. And then next thing you know, everybody's got that same color car. So after I came home and trying to start over again, I'm like, all all these people have flesh-eating bacteria. People in the hospital, oh, I have had that. And, you know, on the news, all this crazy stuff is going on in the world and you don't know about it until you know about it. I thought I had the flu because I just felt crummy. I went to bed and it's like, okay, I'm going to sleep this off. A couple of days later, my husband's like, this is not healing. You're going to the hospital. I basically got in the door. They slapped an oxygen mask on me and I was out cold for the next three weeks. It's one of those things. It's a matter of you catch it or you don't. I truly believe had I waited another day or even a couple of hours that I wouldn't be here talking to you today. They diagnosed it right away. They just kept putting me back in the operating room to remove the bacteria because it was spreading through my body. Eventually I went septic. All the blood flow ceased to my hands and feet. The doctors from day one said, she's not going to survive this. Your family needs to make, make amends with this. Say your goodbyes. Do what you do. And my husband goes, you know, you don't know my God. You don't know what he's capable of. I don't believe you. She's not going anywhere. So you just do what you have to do. We're going to pray. My family, my church family, they pulled in prayers from every corner of this country. And I would say probably within 10 days, I was starting to turn around. And the doctors are like, whoa, this is crazy stuff. And my husband's like, no, I told you, she's not going anywhere. And the one thing I remember, my whole three-month hospital stay was kind of vague. They woke me up from the coma because it was medically induced and said, hey, we want you to know your hands and feet are dying. You're dying. If you want to live, we will have to amputate these parts. And the doctors stayed in there with me right next to my husband husband and he's devastated. He's like, what do you want to do? Are you crazy? When you're not in a coma and you wake up, you're foggy. I thought this is the most ridiculous question in the world. What do you mean? What do I want to do? Cut them off. Do what you got to do. I want to get back to my family. Okay. I'll go the lights. And then when I woke up, there were just bandages where my hands and feet had been. And it was time to just start growing from there and rebuilding my life. It was very fluke, very dangerous. So I always tell people, if you, because we all know our own bodies, if you feel something's off, don't wait, go get it looked at. Because nowadays there's all kinds of crazy stuff and people are dying from the most fluky things. There's so many things that come to mind. Like how do you, how do you wash your hair? I need help with a lot of things. Okay. Yeah. For the most part, I can do a lot, getting dressed, showers, that kind of thing. Yeah. I need, that's where hubby. God bless him. He's God put us together for a reason. Well, sickness and in health. I hope that was in the vows. If not, you might want to add that in if you do the renewal. There's so many people who say, I can't do this. I'm out. And that is the saddest thing ever. You know, I have friends that happen to them and they're like, okay, I'm going to have to figure out how to wash my hair. I'm going to have to figure out how to put my underwear on, you know, that kind of thing. It's scary. I am just very blessed every day. So what's the craziest thing someone's ever asked you? I have a friend who owns a daycare, a nursery school. (laughs) So she's like, Wendy, you got to come talk to these kids. They got questions. I went in there and I'm like, okay. I sat down in the tiny little chair with the tiny little kids and they're like, look at her. Ooh, ah, ooh, ah. Like I was this superhuman because I have bionic legs, you know? (laughs) 
how do you go to the bathroom? How do you drive the car? How do you, how do you stand up, sit down, fight, fight, fight? You know, <laughs> how do you do everything? And it was so much fun because little kids, they don't censor their questions. They just ask. And I'm like, yeah, bring it on. So kids have probably been the best as far as asking questions. So I should have found like a five-year-old or something like that to have this moment with you. In church the other day, there's these little kids in there and they've seen me every day since they've, you know, been babies. And one of them comes up and said, hey, like he'd never noticed before. What happened to your hand? Kids don't, they don't notice the feet so much because their shoes. But I don't wear prosthetics on my hands. So he goes, hey, what happened? And it scares me to answer these kids because they don't want to freak them out. All I tell them is my hands got sick and the doctors had to remove them. Okay. And he took off right <laughs> Here I am, all this internal, <gasps> what am I going to say? I'm going to freak the kid out. He's going to be tortured for life. And he's like, for me, one of the greatest joys of my life as a husband, I've been married 22 years now. One of the greatest joys was going to buy my wife's engagement ring. I actually got a speeding ticket on the way to get it because I was so oblivious to the fact of where I was in the speed zone. I wasn't like rushing to get there. I just was in an old truck and it didn't have a speedometer that worked for the record. And the ticket got wiped away. It's a crazy story there. I won't go down that road. I still remember the moment I bought it. I remember the moment I gave it to her. I remember all these moments. I remember our wedding. Like if I close my eyes, I can kind of go back to those moments. With no hands, there's no ring, Wendy. Was that in any way a shock moment? I know there's more things to be shocked about. Was that a hard moment to kind of realize that you're never going to wear that ring again? Actually, no. I think the ring is with the two people in the hearts that are melded together. It's a circle that cannot be broken. As much as my ring is in my jewelry box, he doesn't wear his either. Maybe if he did, it might be more devastating, but he's a diesel mechanic. And so he can't afford to get that caught on anything. And both of us are without fingers and toes (laughs) and all kinds of nonsense. When I woke up, I remember asking, so where's the ring? He's like, I got it. I'm like, okay, he's got it. It was in his pocket while I was in the house. And now it's in a box. It's in those moments. Are we more focused on the material? Or are we focused on the spiritual? Yeah. What you said was so powerful. It's not about the ring. It's about the two people coming together, that metal melding together. I just think that's so, I, I love that. I really do. Kind of made me get a little emotional. <laughs> just so enamored with right now with you. It just seems sunshine and rainbows. And yeah, it, it, it has this adversity that you have to go through every day. It just seems like this isn't defining you. This isn't your only moment. Like you're not, like you said, I'm, I'm not only going to be this, I'm, I'm going to be so much more. Right. Is there a valley of the shadow of death that maybe comes upon Wendy from time to time? For the longest time. And it took me actually seven years of that valley questioning. When I came home for the hospital, my kids were 13, 15, and my 18-year-old, he turned 18 when I was in a coma. You know, these are critical years for these kids. And I was like, okay, I can't cook for them. I can't help them. I can't take them anywhere. I can't do anything for them. What I could do was listen, talk, guide, love. My kids were getting older and they were getting ready to move on. And we reached that whole empty nest thing eventually. Seven years was why. What do I do now? My kids are really independent. They kind of don't need me anymore other than just to be here. I always raised them to learn how to do their own laundry and wash dishes. And they were rotating in the kitchen cooking and they were caring for me now. What do I do now? 
I can't sit here and just do nothing all day long. I need a purpose. I question God. Why did this have to happen? In all of our Bible studies at home and in church, I came to the understanding I found was it's not always because of some major sin I committed. God allows these things in our lives for the for a purpose. And way back when, when I was first saved in my mid-20s, my sister had ovarian cancer and my mom was saved at that time. And so I understood, okay, there was a purpose in that. And so what's my purpose now? What is God want me to do with what he's given me. This crazy thing happened in my life that took me from my pity party one day to this crazy adventure the next. And that was my daughter, who was, she was about 21 at the time. She's like, mom, we're going to go inner tubing. I want to go tubing down the river and you're coming with me. And I was like, you've lost your mind. What kind of crazy thought is it to put a woman with no hands and feet in an inner tube and shove her down the river? You're trying to kill me? (laughs) She's like, no, no, it's good. We're going to have fun. I just want to say that My family never saw me as handicapped. I was the only one who saw that. Yeah, what's wrong with you? Why do you think you can't grab yourself a drink in the kitchen or get up and walk or go for a walk down the road or any of those things? Why do you think that? That's not who you are. You're a doer. And so when she said, come on, we're going, I was like, ah. I went. As these kids were growing up, can't was a four-letter word in my house. Yet, I found myself saying, I can't do that. It's too hard. I can't do it. And this comfort zone kept getting smaller and smaller and smaller until the tubing adventure. And here we are, we're floating down the river, and it was the best day up until that point in my life post-surgery. And I was like, whoa, look at us, we're floating, we're having a great time, we're doing it, yay. When you have a story like mine, you get a lot of suggestions for writing a book and telling your story and writing it on a blog. We were floating for like three hours. You know what? Maybe I can write a story. I swear the very next day, I set up my website, it's called One Exceptional Life, and I started to share my story through that. Okay, the next question is, how does a woman with no hands write? Because that's what I do. I'm a writer. I started to share my story. And in the process, the comments would come. The emails would come. What an inspiration. You've encouraged me to dig back into the word of God. My relationship with God is growing. I've figured out through you that I don't have to be stuck. It kind of hit me like a Denozo. I don't know if Sarah said, I just heard that the other day. A Denozo slap on the back of the head. God allowed this in my life for the purpose of me to be an encouragement, an inspiration, and a witness for him in this online space. And then I realized, okay, now that I know why, let's just go fill that mission that he has called me to do. All because of a float, all because of a river adventure. It was evidence to me that all the limitations that I had put myself were just all in my head that if only that was in there and it proved to me that I was capable of so much more than I was giving myself credit for and so it's funny we're floating and we're like okay what are we going to write on this blog Wendy does Boston Wendy does (laughs) and all of a sudden I was like hey I could jump out of an airplane and I could write about that and I'm like what's happened what's going on stop but all these crazy things the very next time I think a couple months later I was invited to to go um, on this trip and I'm looking out the window of the airplane I'm like ah it's not that far I could jump I'm like oh my gosh I've totally lost my mind and I haven't done it yet but it's still not off the table the obvious question how does one type how does one how does one write their name how does one sign a check if you're doing a speaking engagement and they pay you. I mean, nowadays you don't even need to sign a check. You can just snap a picture of it. I have a stylus strapped to my wrist. Really, everything I do is my phone has a hook on it. And so I put that on my left arm and the stylus goes on the right arm and I type. Basically, my business has grown.
phone because of my phone and my stylus. And then when I open up the laptop, I get really crazy and I strap on a stylus on the left hand and I go crazy and I can type pretty fast, actually. Wow. But the bank gave me a stamp. Okay. (laughs) Stamp your name. Because let me tell you, my husband's like, you need to practice writing. And I'm like, oh, I hate (sighs) writing. Let's get a stamp. <laughs> well, it's such a small area, too. I struggle with even getting my signature in there. It's just too big. I, I write too big. That's the problem. Well, it's funny. I had a check the other day and I stamped it. And then it says if you do the picture deposit thing and you have to write at the bank and the date. And my husband went to work and I'm like, and I did it. And I'm like, OK, let's see if they accept this or not, because I can't read it. <laughs> And they did. So that's a great point is your husband's a diesel mechanic. So you're virtually home by yourself all day Mm -hmm. until he gets home, essentially. Wow. All I really need is food. (laughs) You're not a dog, Wendy. It's not like (laughs) he puts the water bowl out and the food out. I hope not. No. And and for the most part, I mean, I have access to everything that I need. And for those really nosy listeners, I can handle the bathroom myself. And I have a lovely bidet that was gifted to me in the very beginning. And so that's probably TMI, but that's okay. I know people will think about those things. So I'm going to go back to this moment though. So daughter comes in and says, mom, we're going to float the river. And you're immediately like, nope, can't, can't do that. Not happening. If she doesn't have that initiating that moment to say, basically, come on, mom, can't was a four letter word, your words, not mine. You're not really walking this out. You're really kind of having a pity party right now. Mm-hmm. If she doesn't do that, if she doesn't become the catalyst, the spark, whatever you want to say there, do you think you're still kind of stuck in those moments? I would have gotten out eventually. I have two boys and a girl, but my daughter is the middle child and she's always been the most vocal about go do your own thing. This other time, she was in the kitchen. She was getting herself a drink. I said, and I said, hey, can, can you get me one while you're out there? That's a natural question, right? You think, okay. She's like, nope, nope, nope. You're going to have to get this one yourself, mom. And I was like, well, that's rude. She's like, listen, if I don't encourage you, you'll never, you'll stay stuck forever. And I don't want that. So you're going to have to get your own drink. And I was fully capable. She never saw me as disabled. You know, none of them did. Do this, do that. You know, help me with this. Help me with that. Those types of moments are the things that kind of push your comfort zone. It's like a muscle that has to be built. The more you push it, the more it builds, the more it grows. Might have taken a little bit longer, but I believe it. I would have maybe not volunteered to go on the river or the airplane ride, but (laughs) something. I was so discontent. I didn't know what I could do, what I was able to. I had gone through all kinds of YouTube videos and books. And and I was like, yeah, this is how you change your oil when you don't have hands. I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to do that. I got guy for that. So it was like every everything that I watched, it was something that, yeah, no, I got a guy for that. That doesn't even look fun. So let me find something that looks fun. The first thing that came up was the river, but I was searching. Yeah. When you think something's wrong, know your body, kind of know that you need to do something. You said, yeah, eventually I would have come around. Eventually I would have propelled myself forward. I don't know. I wonder how dark it really was for you. And that's what I'm wondering about. Again, you know you, I don't know you. I I don't. And the reason why I bring this up is I I wonder if there's somebody right now that's in this moment as they're listening to us that said, Neil, listen, you you have no idea. She might be a quadriplegic, but you don't know what I'm dealing with. You don't know the trauma, the sexual abuse that I walk through or the rape that happened to me or the the man that has just continued to beat on me. Or if if it's a man, you don't know that I was molested as a child. You don't know these things that I've walked through and I need to stay in this moment. I need to stay in the darkness. What would be 
your counsel to someone in that moment who wants to just, again, continue to woe and woe, feeling like there is no light? You got to get your want to fixed. <laughs> we have... A father who last couple of days, I keep using this example of, you know, the hen with the wings and the babies under the wings. And you can either tap into that or not. The opportunity is always there. I never got super dark. I've always been an optimistic person. I was sad. I didn't go through your typical grieving. I had I had angry and I had sad. I was never mad at God. I was just angry at the situation and angry that I was a business owner when this all happened. My business... I just wasn't interested in that anymore. And I thought there's something different that I can do differently. This brain is always going, what can I do? In that moment, I was just stuck in that, I don't know what I can do moment. I did not want to be there. That seven years and crazy, it took so long. I was in the Bible. I was in prayer. I grew more spiritually and in my relationship with the Lord in that time than ever before. And I came to understand him better. And I understood that he allows these things. And I just wrote a devotional on this this morning. Perseverance produces experience and experience produces hope. He pours out his love on us. On one hand, you're like, well, okay, yeah, he's allowing this thing to happen. And then he's pouring out his love on us. We cannot grow without pressure, without resistance. Yeah, you got to get your want to fixed. Let me tell you, when you do, that's where the hope is. The hope isn't in the darkness. The hope is that glimmer of sun you see in the sunrise when it starts to come up. You're like, oh, yay, the thunderstorm's gone and it's been raining for six days. That sunrise, that little glimmer of hope, doesn't it just give you kind of a little spark in your heart? Pull back that darkness that you're living in and look for the hope because there's something better out there. Well, I'm guessing you're of the era you remember Pollyanna. <laughs> you probably, never mind. I was going to make a joke, a bad joke, say you probably saw it in the theater for like a nickel. I'm messing with you. I no, don't know, but no, I know, I know who she is. I don't know much about it, but I, I know she's like little Miss Polly Sunshine. The glad game, she plays it. And that there's actually a syndrome. Apparently there's the called the Pollyanna syndrome, which, you know, we don't ever want to see anything negative. And I don't know if that's a thing or not. People have said that. Yeah, I don't. I'm not that bad. <laughs> I hope. You've no. never seen the movie, though? Seriously? <sighs> okay. Well, All right. Fine. I'm I'm old, you know. It's I know, been a but it's an older movie, I think. I don't know. Now I got to go find out how much, you know, when it came out and all that stuff. I don't remember movies I saw when I was six. All right. <laughs> I don't <laughs> I know. Six. The reason why I bring that up is, is Pollyanna, again, just to help for those who haven't seen it or maybe need a refresher on seeing it, is this young lady comes to her great aunt's house. Her parents have died. They're missionaries. She's never really had anything growing up except what came through the missionary barrel, rarely got dresses, found her dad taught her this glad game. No matter what they got, no matter what they received, they were to be glad in it. And so one time they got crutches and they thought, why did we get crutches? And her dad was like, well, just be glad we don't have to use them. And so anyway, so she goes to live with her great aunt who is rich and who everyone in town fears her because she's so rich and snooty and very prominent and just uppity and all these things, pretentious, all these things. And so Pollyanna goes to stay with her 
and kind of flips the town on its head as far as like being so glad and finding reasons to be glad because everybody there is kind of mad and sad and they see Aunt Polly, which is where she gets her name from, and they just cower in fear. So one night, Pollyanna goes to this carnival fair that they're having for the orphan kids that Pollyanna helped to organize. And so she sneaks out of the house and she successfully climbs down this gigantic tree and gets down there and has a great time. Wins a dolly, which is kind of like, sorry, gets me a little emotional when I think about this movie. She wanted, always as a kid, wanted a doll and never got one in the missionary barrel. And so she finally wins this doll through this lady. And so she goes to snake back home. And so she doesn't want to go through the house because she's afraid of getting caught because she snuck out. And so she's climbing the tree again and the doll gets stuck on a branch. And so she gets successfully to the roof to get into her window and she tries to reach back and grab the doll. And as she does, she falls. It's implied that either she's broken her legs or she's now paralyzed because she can't walk. And now Pollyanna. Yeah, she needs the crutches. Well, yes, but she's so sad. And she won't see anybody. She won't talk to anybody. And the glad game is now a sad game. And so everyone's trying their best to get her to kind of come around and to be the old Pollyanna. Mm -hmm. And she won't. She won't. And so finally they agree to take her to this doctor to help her try to walk again or to help her whatever may happen next. And it's her Aunt Polly who's kind of the last to come around to get her to kind of wake up from this darkness. And as she leaves, they show a sign that says Harrington, which is Pollyanna's name, last name. Welcome to Harrington. And it below it says the glad town. And Haley Mills does a great job. She's the actress who plays Paul. I just gave you the whole movie. There you go. You don't even need to watch it. Well, now I don't want to see it. It sounds <laughs> depressing. It's a great movie. I shouldn't admit that as a guy, but it is a great movie. I still wonder about you. If Christ wasn't in your life, which is really the source, truly, I believe, and maybe you would do as well. Well, the source of your joy, the source of your gladness, the source of your essence. Can you imagine walking that road without him? I can't. And, you know, my entire family does that. Not my my family that I made, my siblings and their children. They walk through cancer and divorce and all of these very difficult times. And they're forced to find alternative methods of coping. And it's heartbreaking because then when I say, well, I couldn't do this without the Lord. Jesus has been with me every step of the way. He sits right next to me when I'm in the hospital bed. The very first thing I remembered when I woke up, and remember, there wasn't a whole lot. My memory of that time is, I mean, I was on coma drugs for three weeks, is very limited. But I remember waking up and praying even before anybody came into my hospital bed room. I said, Lord, and this scripture has stuck with me ever since, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And I prayed that prayer to him. I will trust you, Lord, with all my heart. I will not try and lean on my own understanding. I will follow you. I will acknowledge you. And I expect your help. I need you to direct my path. There's no way I can do this without you. And that has been my guiding verse for everything. When I'm scared, when I'm lonely, when I'm mad or frustrated or can't figure the internet out or the technology, that verse just comes out of my head. It's a reminder that he's there. And when I remember that, I think I can trust him. I'm not always going to understand why, who, what, why, where, when, and how. He knows he's a loving father. 
and we're parents, you know, we know how to protect our children. We also know they have to learn things and they have to grow. They're not going to be in diapers their whole lives. They're not going to be crawling their whole lives. They need to grow. But if they're going to stand up and walk, they're going to fall down and bump their knee. And yeah, flesh eating bacteria and losing body parts is not like falling down. Gold needs to go in the fire to get purified and get rid of all the abnormalities and the gunk and the goo and all that stuff. And But what comes out is this perfect piece of nugget. When we're tried, it forces us to grow spiritually. And either you you do or you don't. You know, I know some folks are like, blame God. It's all, hey, I don't want nothing to do with him anymore. And I think of the alternative and doing that. Yeah, no, I'm not interested in that. I need him. I have a very good friend who calls God my imaginary friend and not in a positive way. <laughs> he said, oh, you're off to go worship your imaginary friend. Oh, you're, you're going off to learn more about your imaginary friend that doesn't exist. And it got yeah. me thinking one day, truly, because I love my imagination. I, I think it's one of the greatest things he's ever given me. It took me a long time to be able to openly admit that. I love how he can, can help me paint a picture, how he can put a picture in my head and then I can start describing that picture. Like mm-hmm. I can close my eyes and I can start making a room out of nothing. And in my mind, that's what I hear you say. This great creator, this great deity, this great lover, this father said, you know, for whatever reason, Wendy, it's going to hurt you. And I know it's going to hurt you, but I'm going to make you into so much more. How strong was your faith prior to this incident? Was it pretty strong? Was it, were you pretty vocal or were you kind of held back? I held back. Every social media post I put out there is giving glory to God where I was not vocal like that before. I'd been through cancer. Both my sisters have been through cancer. Us, both my parents. Not really happy life, really, if you think about it. It's what you make of it. If you know that this is not our home and this is just our temporary resting place until glory, eternity with our creator, how cool is that? You've got to do the best with what you're given. I look at it as God has entrusted me with certain gifts, and I want to hear those words, well done, thou good and faithful steward. I almost said student. (laughs) Well, you are a student. Servant, I think, is what you're looking for. (laughs) I like student, too. Have you allowed your imagination, speaking of imagination, have you allowed your imagination to take you to that place when you do reunite with Jesus in heaven, and you look down, and he grabs you by the hand, not the prosthetic, not anything else, And you stand in his presence as he brings you up from your knees. Because I'm imagining, I mean, I'm going to be that way. I'm going to be on my knees until he lets me come up. And I see him eye to eye. But when you look down, even while you're on your knees, maybe with him, and you see your feet there. And then as he takes you by the hand and raises you up, have you allowed your imagination to go there in any way? Just a little bit. Okay. Because it's emotional. Yeah. And I get headaches when I get emotional. So I try and avoid it. Maybe that's why you stay so positive. There could be something to that when we get emotional. Emotional, we get headaches. I mean, that could yeah. be a symptom of them. That song by Mercy Me, you know, I can only imagine. I mean, it just yeah. it tears me up. Oh, yeah. I can't listen to those songs. <laughs> it's funny when when my kids were home, they always had the radio on and I was like, oh, I can't listen to the radio. These songs just break me. <laughs> I'm like, oh, turn it off. And country music, that's just the worst. <laughs> Yeah, right. Not in this small town. I found one windy definition that I really like. And I just Googled, by the way, I said, what does the name windy mean? I I just found this so profound. One of the definitions was wanderer in the footsteps of the Lord. I've never heard that in my life. Now, mind you, I don't just sit around Googling what does the name windy mean? I just thought that was so interesting. Wanderer in the footsteps of the Lord. Ooh, I'm going to have to write that down. You know, it's funny. 
My husband's name is Mike. And when you said, I looked up the definition of Wendy and how is it? I know he who is like the Lord is Michael. <laughs> Why don't I know my own? It's crazy. The other one is friend or blessed ring, which I'm not even sure what that's about. Wander in the footsteps of the Lord. That is really cool. I'm claiming it. Okay. You could. Yep, do it. Google said it. It's <laughs> factual now. I'm curious about this for you and maybe others are as well that want to get to know you a little deeper, a little further you know, down the road and, and maybe have a different conversation with you than, than what we got to have today. What is the best way someone can reach out, connect, know more of where you are? I know you do speaking engagements and things like that. If somebody wanted to meet you face to face, maybe you're not all the way in New Hampshire, then maybe you're somewhere in the, I'll say the real states. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> How can someone do that? I guess the first place is my website, oneexceptionallife.com. I mostly hang out on Facebook for women. I have a Facebook group called Women Living Exceptionally with Joy and Jesus. In September, I'm doing a five-day summit called Radiant Resilience, a virtual event for kingdom women who are looking to grow their joy, peace, faith, fulfillment through the storms of their life, September 18th through the 22nd. Well, Wendy, I want to say thank you so much for joining us today. I will probably forever be in Sarah's debt because I am so grateful and thankful that she told me about you and told me about your story. And I, I'm going to have to send her a message today to just tell her thank you. And I feel like that's not good enough. Oh, that's so sweet. I mean yeah, that in all sincerity. You're a gem. And I, I just, I am so enamored that we got to meet. I'm so enamored that you're in New Hampshire. I, I really like that because it did get us a, a pin in the mark. But let me tell you about the map for a second, if I can. Yeah. Tell me what you're missing. Who knows? I may have. Well, Nebraska, we're still missing Nebraska oh. somehow. Yeah, I know. Who wants to be? Nevada of all places too. I don't know why we're missing Nevada because I'm, it's kind of near me in Oregon. It, Nevada's near Oregon for those that are geographically challenged. <laughs> this is the other one that I think could be a little bit of a challenge as we move forward, Delaware and West Virginia. Even if you weren't from New Hampshire and you weren't making a mark on our map for us, I still would want to have you on. I just want you to know that, okay? Oh, thank you. But let me tell you about the map. So when I first started, that's what it was. It was just an achievement, like a checkbox. Like, look, here we are. We've been there. But then as I started to kind of hear more people's stories, I realized that the pin mark represented them. And so then I started start looking at the map right now. Like I look at Florida, I look at Georgia, I look at these and I'm, I'm looking up on the camera and, and you're seeing me looking up because it sits above me. It sits right at my 12 o'clock every time I come into the studio. It's right in front of me. And I start looking at these marks and their pins and the pins represent the people. And then when I think about that pin, because they're different colors for different seasons, I start thinking about, well, I wonder what so-and-so is doing today. Let me just say a prayer for Amy in Florida. Let me say a prayer for my friend Uzma, who's Muslim, who's out in Arizona. Let me say a prayer for my buddy Marcus, who's out in California. You know, let me say a prayer for the people in Illinois. And that's what it turned into. It almost turned into like a prayer chart. Is that crazy? Oh. No, it's wonderful. <laughs> and then Oregon has a lot of pins, by the way. By the way, the most pins. I know some people <laughs> might think it's North Carolina. It's not. Oregon has by far the most pins. I have stayed home for the most part. When I first started, <laughs> we didn't have these virtual things, or at least I didn't know how to do it. Well, I'm going to keep my eyes and ears open for these four states. There you go. And whatever else I can find. All right. Yeah. Anyone else? We're, we're open to anyone. And they don't have to be from those four states. It's not a requirement. Maybe going forward, I need to have them. Well, Wendy, I feel like you're a gal that likes silliness. Like you strike me as maybe a practical joker. Am I wrong in that respect? Yeah. 
Okay, you don't like pulling I like pranks to on laugh, people. But I'm like usually just kind of a bystander in the okay. whole process. Well, we do this thing at the end of the show. It's called senseless. It's these six silly questions. Sometimes they're not silly. Sometimes they're serious. We'll see how you feel about them. So anyway, I get a cup and a die, and it's a North Carolina cup. Can't have an Oregon cup. We have to have a North Carolina <laughs> cup. Very right. weird around here. Anyway, so I'm gonna roll for you, and then we're gonna from the roll. That's why we roll because it's random. All right, you got number four. There you go. It's a blue four even. Notice that? So number four is this. This is a fun question. New questions, by the way, for season 15 that we're on right now. So new questions. Number four is this. Who would play you in the story of your life? Amy Purdy. Amy Purdy. What has she been in? She's actually, she's a Paralympic gold medalist for snowboarding and she actually when I first came home from the hospital I was like okay who can I find that has been through something like this that I can read and figure out what they're doing and how they moved on and she was one of the first books I read she contracted meningitis I think when in her late teens and lost both of her legs. But she was a snowboarder and she got back up and went snowboarding and now she's a gold medalist. And she also came in second place in Dancing with the Stars. And other than the fact that she has hands, she has no feet and she she's, she does a great job. I would never get on a snowboard. Well, no, I take that back. I would, I wouldn't stay up very long. I mean, I have balance on two tennis shoes. <laughs> Always dip it over. So to imagine going down a mountain at warp speed, I think that's pretty cool. Wow, that's fun. Well, again, Wendy, I want to say thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate it. Well, this has been lots of fun, and I, it's been a long time since I laughed so much. Well, guys and gals, kids and capers alike, I just want to push on this with you. We can do that. I can I can do that with you. Maybe not with Wendy, because we just met. I can do this with you. What's your four-letter word? Yeah, I said it. What's your four-letter word? I love that. Is it can't? Is it never? I know never is not a four-letter word. I'm not very good at spelling. Is it only? That's a four-letter word. You're only going to be this. You're only going to be that. Hmm. What's your can't? I can't do that, Neil. I, I can't go talk to that person that's hurt me. I can't do that. I, I can't go back in time. You're right. You can't. There's no DeLorean. Sorry. As much as I want there to be, there there isn't. So what do you do with that? Do you allow that to stop you? I hope not. You know, I am trying hard to hold these emotions in because I have never met somebody quite like Wendy who has not allowed that to stop her. There's another four letter word. Stop. So today, as you leave, as you go, my only thought is this. If there's a stop sign in your life, if there's a hurdle in your way, what do you need to do to get it out of your way so you can continue to go down the road? Let me know what that is. I'd love to know. OPSpodcast.com is a great place to let me know. You can also let us know on our socials at OPS Podcast Show under Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And as we leave, as we get out of here, don't ever forget this. Remember, when you walk in other people's shoes, you really do get a different perspective on life. Thank you so much for listening. And stay tuned till next week when we walk in other people's shoes.